Welcome to Port Academy. We're an international podcast that explores movies and shows for content about history, science, politics, psychoanalysis, and more. We post a new episode every Monday. And today I'd like to extend personal thanks to patrons Sani Sisse, Louise Lins, and Annie B. Thank you for your support. It's very much appreciated. This is our fourth installment of our new series, The Downfall of the U.S. in Movies. We go back to movies that chronicle American historical events to trace the reasons for the current political, social, and moral crisis the world's empire is going through. We're not only diving into American history, but we're also looking into the story Americans are told about their past and how that shapes and creates some of the problems we see today. Problems that are relevant to all of us, no matter where we live. Today we'll talk about the 2012 Steven Spielberg movie, Lincoln, which chronicles the last four months of Abraham Lincoln's life and presidency as he pushes forward the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution to abolish slavery once and for all as the Civil War is raging. The drama in the movie is the pressures Lincoln is facing from all sides regarding the abolition of slavery. The Confederate South will not acquiesce. Pro-slavery Democrats work to stop it in the House of Representatives. Conservative politicians in Lincoln's own Republican Party are wavering. Radical Republicans are pushing for more far-reaching and meaningful legislation regarding African slaves. And pragmatists around the president want him to finish the war before getting rid of slavery. But Lincoln stays the course pushes forward and gets his way, making history by ending slavery in the United States of America. This is why Lincoln is the most iconic U.S. president ever. So George Washington was the first one and set innumerable presidents, including the title of president. FDR won for the West the Second World War and charted a new course, a new global order. And that's much more than Lincoln being a local leader of a local divided nation on the other side of the world. Yet, he is the most beloved and revered American president. It could be because he fought against the easiest thing to get behind, slavery. True, FDR fought the Nazis, and that's pretty pretty easy to support as well, or at least we thought it was a no-brainer until the rise of fascism in the U.S. and other places in in recent years. Mm. But FDR also fought a war against the rich and powerful, so he's more complicated. Lincoln abolished slavery, preserved the Union, won the war, and was then assassinated. Neat and clean story. Or at least that's how (laughs) the Steven Spielberg movie would like us to see it. And this popular story is of utmost importance. Because it not only cements falsehoods in the national global memory, but it is also used by current politicians who fancy themselves as the heirs of Lincoln in order to showcase themselves in a different light than they actually are. So let's dig into this. The downfall of the years in movies, the story of Lincoln, go. This is Sparta! History in movies. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. That's why I'm 
What we do in life echoes in eternity. All right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system and public health, what have the Romans ever done for us? Hi, everybody. Hello, my friend, Dr. Utrevos. How are you doing? I'm uh, pretty good, uh, Gil Kitron. How are you? I was wondering if you would uh, say my full name. Of course. As I did, but you didn't uh, add my title. Uh, uh, Gil Kitron, uh, MSc. MSc? I thought Mr. Oh, Mr. Gil Kitron. Are you actually MSc? Are you MA? What are you? No, I'm not, I don't have an MA. No? No. Just, You're a uh, bachelor. BA. Yeah, I'm a bachelor. Ah, in more ways than one. <laughs> in more ways than one. <laughs> oh, no. Let's change the topic. We want to talk about the movie Fish Lincoln. Fish on the world stage now. With the fate of human dignity in our hands. Blood's been spilled to afford us this moment. Now, now, now. Abraham Lincoln has asked us to work with him to accomplish the death of slavery. No one's ever been loved so much by the people. Don't waste that power. This fight is for the United States of America. This settles the fate for all coming time. Not only of the millions now in bondage, but of unborn millions to come. Shall we stop this bleeding? It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Well, Spielberg knows how to make a movie. I like the uh, the atmosphere of the movie. Uh, ah, yeah. It's it's quite uh, sort of uh, intimate. Uh, the characters are kind of uh, approachable. I, I like uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, the eponymous character. It felt kind of like uh, real or something, like not so forced, costumey, but... Uh, but, you know, I think that there's a misconception about the movie Lincoln, and I think it's because of the name that people uh, wrongly assume that it's about Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And also the character Abraham Lincoln just makes you think that you're watching a movie about Lincoln. But this is not a movie about Lincoln. No. This is a movie about Obama. <laughs> and it, <laughs> Yeah, okay, yes. Go on, yes. And it's not a movie about the, about the 13th Amendment and the abolition of slavery. No? No. It's about the passing of Obamacare. This is the movie. This is 2012. Huh. After the passing of Obamacare. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, to state the obvious, this is a historic day. <laughs> History is made when a leader steps up, stays true to his values, and charts a fundamentally different course for the country. History is made when a leader's passion, passion is matched with principle to set a new course. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. President, you are that leader because you delivered on a promise. Our children and our grandchildren, they're going to grow up knowing that a man named Barack Obama put the final girder in the framework for a social network in this country to provide the single most important element of what people need, and that is access to good health. And that every American from this day forward will be treated with simple fairness and basic justice. So as the story goes, like Lincoln, Obama tried to pass historic legislation in the face of conservative rage and opposition, relentless opposition. And also, like Lincoln, he had people to the left and to the right of him trying to pull him in every which way. 
And like Lincoln, he was the master chess player. And he got it done and made history. Both of them were villainized by conservative retrogrades. With the difference being that conservatives during the healthcare debate did not legally secede, though one might argue that they did secede from reality. Another little minor difference is that Obama wasn't shot to death. Mm -hmm. And then Obama heroically pushes forward at the end the Republican healthcare plan. So in that way, it was, it was like an imagined Obama, basically. How mm. I want to see what Obama did. This is like it, as, as if it was written by Obama's uh, PR team mm. or something. And also Obama, he felt a little bit Lincoln-y when he uh, had his first inauguration. He used uh, the Lincoln Bible and he's from Illinois and he's from Illinois and stuff like that. Peace commissioners what? appear today or, or state worse, state on the morning. I can't listen to this anymore. I can't accomplish a goddamn thing of any human meaning or worth until we cure ourselves of slavery and end this pestilential war. And whether any of you or anyone else knows it, I know I need this. This amendment is that cure. He's very, very different, opposite than Obama. Because the way that he pushed forward the 13th Amendment in the movie, this is definitely not Obama and not Obamacare because he, did, he didn't ask the South that was losing, that lost, give me your plan, please. What, what do you want to do with slavery? Because I'm already going to bargain with myself and just like say, okay, not... I'm not going to abolish slavery, not single pay or anything like that. I'm just going to take it down a few notches and then let's start negotiations. Now that President Obama has wavered on his insistence that a health care plan include a public, public option, do you think he should just come out and flat out say the public option is off the table, let's get on with this without it? My guess is the Republicans aren't going to vote for this bill no matter what, so there's no point in making a whole lot of concessions to people who aren't going to vote for the bill under any circumstances anyway. But can it pass with this public option now that the president has essentially admitted that he's willing to compromise on it. I don't think it can pass without the public option. There are too many people who understand, including the president himself, the public option is absolutely linked to reform. It makes an effort to frame it this way when you have the Bernie Sanders, Tommy Lee Jones character, and he is, his heroic act and stand is compromising. Mm. We shall oppose one another in the course of time. Now we're working together, and I'm asking you... For patience, I expect. Well, when the people disagree, bringing them together requires going slow till they're ready to make up the Now shit on the people. The people elected me to represent them, to lead them, and I lead. You ought to try it. I admire your zeal. If I'd listened to you, I'd have declared every slave free the minute the first shell struck Fort Sumter. And the border states would have gone over to the Confederacy, the war would have been lost, and the Union along with it. And instead of abolishing slavery, as we hope to do in two weeks, we'd be watching helpless as infants as it spread from the American South into South America. Oh, how you have longed to say that to me. You know that the inner compass that should direct the soul toward justice has 
ossified in white men and women, north and south, unto utter uselessness through tolerating the evil of slavery. White people cannot bear the thought of sharing this country's infinite abundance with Negroes. A compass I learned when I was surveying, it'll, it'll point you true north from where you're standing. But it's got no advice about the swamps, and deserts, and chasms that you all encounter along the way. If in pursuit of your destination you plunge ahead heedless of obstacles and achieve nothing more than to sink in a swamp, what's the use of knowing true north? So the heroism, you say, is, 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 is the, the, the left-wingers in, during the Obamacare debate who wanted everybody to have, to have a health care, a normal health care, and they concede and lose, and this is, this is the victory, this is the great victory. The Lincoln there is talking about America going on the world stage. First of all, it's not on the world stage. Mm. Second of all, you are the last ones, the last white people to still have slavery. And mm. you are the last <laughs> white people to not have the health care, I think. <laughs> so mm. Are there mm. other white people around the, around the world who don't have health care? Maybe in some, uh, I don't know, in Eastern uh, Europe. I don't, I'm not sure what's going on in all the countries over there. No. They probably do. Yeah. They probably, yeah, yeah. Former, former, former communist, communist countries. They probably have healthcare. Yeah. yeah. So this like heroism is just doing what everybody already has already done. Yeah. So this is like a national story about a national figure. Uh, that national figure, he is not a transformative president. He is a great politician. Incredible politician during a transformative time, serving in a transformative time. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. It's also a movie from, uh, from 2012. But yeah, you say, okay, uh, Lincoln is kind of uh, bizarro Obama and, and opposite, but not really. I mean, they're both legal scholars. They're both from Illinois. Mm-hmm. Lincoln was also very tall and you uh-huh. know in the basketball court just net only swish. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Incredible. Okay. Incredible. Oh. Incredible. You want me to go on? You have something to say? No, you, go you on. No, no, that's an interesting point, yeah. So, yeah. okay, so let's let's dig uh, uh, further a little bit in that. Here Lincoln again. He's pushing forward relentlessly. He's not changing one thing in his plan and he's a bully politician, mm-hmm. okay? He's willing to do everything. The president's never to be mentioned, nor I. You're paid for your discretion. Well, you can have that for nothing. What we need money for is bribes. Speed things up. No, nothing strictly illegal. It's not illegal to bribe congressmen. They starve otherwise. I have explained to Mr. Bilbo and Mr. Latham that we're offering patronage jobs to the Dems who vote yes. Jobs. And nothing more. That's correct. Congressman, come cheap. A few thousand bucks will buy you all you need. The president would be unhappy to hear you did that. <laughs> well, will he be unhappy if we lose? As the Americans say, he's going to the mat. He's pushing the envelope. He's stepping, he's stepping up to the plate. <laughs> are there any other American <laughs> sayings that are the that fit right here? He's basically okay, and this is not the agreed upon version of how all this happened. We can talk about that uh, in a moment. But what Obama did is say... Thank you, Mr. President. Before um, I ask my question, I'm wondering if you could actually answer David's. Is the public plan non-negotiable? 
we are still early in this process. So uh, you know, we have not drawn lines in the sand other than that reform has to control costs and that it has to provide relief to people who don't have health insurance or uh, are underinsured. You know, those are the broad parameters w uh, that we've discussed. There are a whole host of other issues where uh, ultimately I may have a strong opinion, and I will express those to members of Congress as this is shaping up. It's too early to say that. Right now, I will say that our position is that a public plan makes sense. Uh, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. He had a supermajority. Okay, I'm getting a little bit into an internal American politics. He had a supermajority in the Senate, 60 out of 100. He controlled the House of Representative, Representatives. He had everything. He could just say, okay, Medicare for all. Let's do it. Boom. And then bully all his own politicians to do it. Bully other politicians. Hey, you want me to tell all the country, the entire country, I want to give everybody health care. He wa doesn't want you to have health care. And instead, he let the opposition frame the debate. And mm -hmm. then he lost his supermajority and had to squeak in some weird plan that nobody likes and that is not for long in this world because Joe Biden would change it in some way. In some way. It's a half-baked Republican plan, the Heritage Foundation famously, famously Romney passed it in the Massachusetts. This is not a democratic uh, plan, not a progressive plan at all. And it was made to seem, and it's still in the, like in the, in the popular memory, it's like a heroic move that he did. No, he is the opposite. He's like the tranquilizing uh, drug of gradualism, whereas Lincoln said, no, okay, he went all the way to the end. No, abolishing it. Obviously, it's not portrayed here that Lincoln was actually uh, racist and a white supremacist in an age where 90% of Americans were white supremacists, said that uh, white people are superior to black people. But he was a liberal uh, Republican, so, he didn't, so he, he didn't like slavery as it is, but, they were, but, but it were the abolitionists who were the minority the distinct minority who made all this happen. And some of them pushed, actually, you know, for a shared uh, uh, consciousness between the, the, poor, the poor white people in the north and the slaves, the black slaves in the south. Like, you have your slavery and we have wage slavery. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is not nice at all. No, no, no. Let's, you be a wage slave, but it's just not nice to have slaves you know lincoln said he saw slavery and was like oh it made me feel really bad mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's also the gradualism in that the great compromise by the progressives say okay but you know in 150 years there'll be an african-american president basically just wait 150 years get some lynching get your houses burned allow the reconstruction to to falter and, you know, segregation, and, and systemic racism. But then you'll have, you'll have a president and you'll still have all the problems that you've had. Mm -hmm. So this is, and here is a movie again uh, that takes a uh, compromise and uh, again, quintessentially American, just puts it on, on, a on, on a pedestal. Say you believe only in legal equality for all races, not racial equality, I beg you, sir. Compromise, or you risk it all. 
I've asked you a question, Mr. Stevens, and you must answer me. Do you or do you not hold that the precept that all men are created equal is meant literally? Is that not the true purpose of the amendment? To promote your ultimate and ardent dream to elevate... The true purpose of the amendment, Mr. Wood, you perfectly named brainless, obstructive object. <laughs> now you have always insisted, Mr. Stevens, that Negroes are the same as white men are. The true purpose of the amendment I don't hold with equality in all things, only with equality before the law and nothing more. That's not so. You believe that Negroes are entirely equal to white men. You've said it a thousand for shame, times. For shame! Stop prevaricating and answer Representative Wood. I don't hold with equality in all things, only with equality After before the, the decades, law and nothing more. Further He's answered your questions. This amendment's not to do with race equality. I don't hold with equality in all things, only with equality before the law and nothing more. Who'd ever have guessed that old nightmare capable of such control? He might make a politician someday if he wanted to go. And above all, Lincoln was just a phenomenal politician. He was just... The guy to get shit done when it was needed to be done. In a story that clearly is telling us that the fact that he wasn't willing to compromise <laughs> at all, at all. He was doing whatever he could do, yeah, just, just like in, in, in Lyndon Johnson style, just like making it happen. Say like, this is the vision. Healthcare for everybody. I don't care about your little votes or stuff. Just get it done. If I have to bribe you, if I have to do this stuff that is shady, maybe unconstitutional, if I have to lie, I will get it because this is the right thing to do for the country. Hmm. We need those kind of fictional characters like the movie Lincoln to lead our respective uh, nations. The story would have been uh, more apt, more correct and more interesting had the Lincoln character gone through uh, a process and an arc, which was actually is, there's like a quote I remember from my school days, my BA, sorry guys, BA school days, I took a lot of uh, courses about American history. There was a quote by, by, by Lincoln. He said, I don't claim to have led the events, I'm paraphrasing, mm -hmm. but rather I admit that the events led me forward. Historians agree that it wasn't an actual op option after the Civil War to leave slavery intact because it would just lead to another war. And they, and they don't mention that part. They just mention the righteous part. So just help, help me understand your point a little bit better. So what is the um, difference between the actual course of events and in the movie? Like I, I, my understanding is that the actual course of events was that it was kind of a, a sequence of contingencies that led up to, well, I guess we're going to have to ban slavery. There was a, decla a declaration of emancipation. Uh, during the war, it was the stick to, to the carrot, whatever. Okay, so we're doing this war, then we're going to decide here, unilaterally, Lincoln was going to decide that I'm, I'm, I'm emancipating uh, your slaves. Obviously, it had to be ratified in the Constitution and stuff like that. 
but it was just because the war took so long and because the South was so intransigent. Intransigent? Intransigent? Intransigent, thank you. It's the first time I'm using that word, folks. No. I've only read it and written it. This is how you recognize a real intellectual who, who, who absorbs words from reading. Mm, good thank you, good for you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Intransigent. Oh, in, again, how do you... Pre- I, I would say intransigent, but... Intransigent. I, I, intransigent. What, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> You're a few years older than me, and you need reading glasses, so I'm sure you know. Let I'm still holding off on the reading wiser. glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so... Does that answer your question, or you have uh... Well, maybe, yeah. So during, a, during the course of these uh, horrific wars, um, big social change happens. Uh, for example, during the First World War, uh, the vote was given in a lot of countries. For example, in the Netherlands, we uh, uh, got uh, the vote in 1917. Two um, women. women, yeah. Oh. And um, that uh, wasn't something that outside of the context of the war would have happened at that rate. And my understanding is that this is also kind of the case for ending slavery. Yes. How can so, you so go it's, back? So it's principled in a way, but it's, it's principled within the context of a war. Yes. And the global also, the global context. This is a process, a global process that is happening. Had the South won, it couldn't have held on for slavery, uh, held on to slavery for much longer. It'd be just like the only nation that still has slavery. It wasn't, it wasn't sustainable. Nobody was going to buy the cotton, perhaps. Yeah, eventually, eventually. I mean, eventually, yeah. Eventually. It, it takes a while. Of course, now, for example, nobody buys uh, phones made with uh, slave labor. We don't? <laughs> I don't buy phones. I get them secondhand. That's how oh. I uh, ease my conscience. Okay. Ah, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. They were all already made with uh, with slave labor. But if you had uh, a concrete, uh, uh, attractive option to buy a non-slavery produced phone next to the slavery phone, you would buy the non-slavery phone. Well, there is the fair phone. What's that? It's just a, a Dutch product. Um, ah, okay. It is a, a phone not made by slaves, and uh, it's it's kind of it's a fairly nice design. It's kind of modular, so you can swap in different uh, cameras and other things. It's a little chunky, um, and nobody's buying it. But it is uh, mm. the uh, the feel good phone. I think it's maybe we can compare it to uh, maybe it's just the beginning of the process. We can compare it to Beyond Meat and meat mm. substitutes. Now that Beyond Meat is so good. And I know many carnivores who just say that this is like the best burger that they've ever had. And once you have the option of, uh, you know, the lab meat, then very few people will uh, go for the actual meat, considering all the damage that is causing to the world again with with uh, here with slavery. And it's, it's, it's interesting to see how the problems that uh, we discussed in previous episodes, mainly in the uh, episode that I talked about uh, the movie A More Perfect Union, where there you had the big states that were more democratically inclined and wanted the proportional representation that was so important, but they compromised. Great, the great compromise. Then some of those nations, because they had slaves like Virginia, 
mm-hmm. just switched over <laughs> to the other side, and now the, now now states rights is more mm-hmm. important. And even <laughs> James Madison, like the heart and soul of the Constitution and of proportional uh, representation, he after he was president and later. He's, he switched sides in a way, and he was uh, he like penned this uh, article that later uh, became what the South used that uh, the nullification something like that that the states have the option to nullify federal law if it deems that it goes against uh, its own constitution. So this is the damage, the inherent damage and and, and, and danger in compromise for compromises sake and it's a danger in elevating compromise because it might be that they had no choice but to compromise might be though it's debatable but still once you frame the compromise as an ideal then you leave the option of of secession and just like no compromise without slaveholders in the south compromise why don't you compromise and then this is why, uh, why uh, later Reconstruction failed, because, uh, you know, they didn't hang the traitors. They didn't put them in jail. No, everything went back to being just as it was before. I can't ensure a single damn thing if you scare the whole house silly with talk of land appropriations, revolutionary tribunals. When the war ends, I intend to push for full equality, the Negro votes, and much more. Congress shall mandate the seizure of every foot of rebel land and every dollar of their property. We'll use their confiscated wealth to establish hundreds of thousands of free Negro farmers and at their side, soldiers armed to occupy and transform the heritage of traitors. We'll build up the land down there of free men and free women and free children and freedom. The nation needs to know that we have such plans. That's the untempered version of Reconstruction. It's not, it's not quite exactly what I intend. I guess I want to just briefly look at what you said about, well, you, you said a couple of times, uh, democratically inclined, Democrat, uh, Republican. It's something about America that I just find uh, very, very interesting. And uh, mm. maybe that's starting to become apparent in, in other democracies as well. But there you just have... Like you have a couple of brands of parties, mm-hmm. the Democrats and the Republicans, and uh, the brand or the name continues to exist, the, the elephant and the donkey. Um, but in terms of their positions, they can almost com- completely switch sides, which I think is very interesting. Uh, so at the time of uh, the Civil War, it was the Republicans who were... Uh, against slavery and and the democrats were more on the side of the south and uh, that persisted for a long while up until like the the middle of the 20th century or so the the democrats were more like also there was like the the dixiecrats the the southern uh, democrats and 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 very like that kind of old south uh, genteel kind of uh, culture uh, and then uh, sometime during the 60s, uh, the Republicans uh, discovered uh, the Southern strategy and, and became more on that side. And the Democrats have, have gradually actually sort of uh, starting maybe at the end of the time of FDR, become more and more progressive and more the Northern Party such that now actually Obama is from the Democrats. 
Yes, yes. I think like the this this tension between uh, the mass of people on one hand, like in, as a voting block, and uh, the elitist uh, who know better. That was that uh, that schism between those two uh, worldviews has has stayed throughout uh, American history. The parties, for all kinds of reasons, switch uh, switch sides. Like so, the Democrats, when they started with Andrew Jackson, they were like for the people, and the people were uh, Southern racists, and mm-hmm. just like uh, people were racist. So, you want to decide for us what is better to do? No, we are the people. Now that the people are different. You have mm-hmm. more non-white people uh, voting, and you have less racist people. Then the elitism becomes like an economic, uh, an economic elite, and then mm-hmm. this is why the Republicans uh, and the and and they and not a lot of people like economic elites. I don't know if you know that, Rutger, but um, most people don't like really rich people. Most people don't like banks, don't like corporations. Uh, they feel that they can better relate to other human beings uh, similar to them around them than to the mega rich. So how do you get a mass of people to vote for you if you're an elitist party? Then you bring in the evangelicals, then you bring in, as you said, racism, the southern strategy. And this is how you can get uh, the same people who despised you uh, 70 years ago and 30, 40 years ago and obviously 100 years ago during uh, the American Civil War. This is how you get them to to vote for you. I suppose that is a little bit different than it is in a lot of other uh, democracies, or at least, at least it used to be different in the sense that those parties in the U.S., for a much longer time, because there's only two flavors, <laughs> more or less, <laughs> uh, have been these very big tents and these big sort of vehicles just for exercising power. And and uh, what ex- where exactly you place the tent pegs is, is almost uh, incidental as long as the tent is big enough. And in uh, other countries, for example, in Israel and in the Netherlands, you have these parliamentary democracies where you have more parties which are more closely tied to specific issues uh, and for specific sort of, uh, you know, uh, factions in society, maybe along religious lines or socioeconomic lines uh, and so on. Except uh, that has been changing somewhat more recently, uh, at least uh, least in the Netherlands, but I think also kind of in Israel in the sense that a lot of these uh, brands of these political parties have been become kind of hollowed out, uh, and so it's uh, it's become harder to predict what what these parties exactly stand for. They're just like names and and kind of uh, not not as principled anymore. What I'm talking about is so, for example, um, uh, social democratic politics has uh, kind of uh, ended maybe in the late 80s, early 90s, like the traditional labor parties all kind of went new labor or something like that. So so that brand has kind of ended. And uh, liberal parties uh, have kind of become just the, the generic parties of uh, of government rule. And they, they yeah. don't ne- are necess- not necessarily li- liberal. They can be authoritarian. 
they, they can uh, move to the right or where, wherever they like, but they're just kind of the, the brands that ends up on top in the way that in the Netherlands, the Liberal Party is now the biggest party in Israel. I suppose it's Likud. Uh, and and so these the like what used to be much more closely tied to specific ideological positions have become much more opportunistic. Yes, definitely. So let me piggyback on that uh, opportunism. I feel that Lincoln, the way that I see Lincoln, again a great politician, non-ideological. He doesn't want slavery because slavery is objectively bad. Okay, so. Within human society, sadly, things that are uh, objectively bad and wrong are still debated and are still a matter of uh, political discourse and the for and against. So it was slavery. Now it's the climate crisis. Uh, do we want to save ourselves or not? I guess this is a, I guess this is a political debate. Mm -hmm. So what was great with Lincoln is that he had supreme survival instincts. He can't win the war and then let the, the slave states uh, keep their slaves, the reason for the war. And he also has had a personal reason to have these survival instincts. When he first came to Washington, Washington, D.C., he had to wear a disguise. The president-elect of the United States had to wear a disguise because he feared that crazy conservatives uh, will uh, assassinate him. Mm -hmm. And then they did <laughs> at the end. So he kind of like knew what he was up against. Like, no, you can't reason with those people. You have to beat them. You just have to beat them. And then we don't want to kill them all. Okay, reconstruction and all that. And like the, we all live on this planet. So the climate is here for everyone. And if you have health care, you have a health care, even if you're racist. You, ju you, you just have to just go all the way to the end. A real trans uh, transformative uh, U.S. president is FDR. Mm. He actually changed American history, not by just being the right person to lead uh, the nation at a specific time. He just like changed it, changed course. What you said about the flipping of the mm -hmm. of the parties, this started uh, started here. And he, and he actually, there's this famous quote where he told uh, his opponents, I welcome your hate. Mm -hmm. I welcome your hate. And he was just ruthless. He was ruthless. He wasn't perfect. He was ruthless in other ways, the Japanese internment uh, camps and all that. But in terms of being an actual transformative leader, and I think it's not an accident that I can't think of a movie about uh, FDR. Mm -hmm. Because Lincoln is he's safer. He was also a Republican. So the Republicans, they can also like Lincoln. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't like slavery. He was one of us. Yeah, that just goes to show that the Democrats are the real racists. Exactly. And this, and, and this is why all the racists moved from the Democrats to the Republicans when the Republicans became racist in the 1950s and 60s with Lyndon Johnson. The Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, again, he famously said, we lost the South for a generation. Mm -hmm. Actually, it was more than one generation. <laughs> it's still going on. But I guess the fact that all racists moved to the other party that was playing the race card, I guess is this is because the other party is uh, racist. Yes. Yes, that's how that works. Yeah. Again, I want to emphasize the point that because this is a uh, this is an American uh, president, and we're living in, a, in the age of America and Hollywood and uh, American cultural imperialism, so Lincoln has become 
an international figure of good morals and, uh, and strong leadership while he is uh, he didn't even get like he was the reason that he won is uh, because there were four candidates he wasn't on the ballot like in, like in the, all the slave states he didn't get uh, 50% so he squeaked in the reason even how he got to be the nominee the republican nominee it was all it was whatever a convention all kinds of machinations and bribes and uh, and breaking the rules illegally in order to to get that position but he is the safer the safer and more palatable uh, president than fdr now i welcome the hate of the rich people who just made this movie this is nah well, for in the case of uh, FDR, there's uh, still things that uh, are uh, reversible, I guess, more so than uh, than slavery. But having said all that, the moment in the movie when everybody's happy that they passed the 13th Amendment, even though this is not on the world stage or small stage, uh, you know, he, Spielberg knows how to push those buttons. I mm. was tearing up. Yeah. No, you weren't? No, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, that, what I was, what what I found kind of interesting was uh, how they depicted uh, how the just the democratic process uh, worked with uh, how is this person going to vote? How is that person going to vote? Oh, are they going to go this way? What what what? How do they look this morning? Are they upbeat? Are they this or that? And I thought that was interesting how different that is from uh, right now because. Uh, it, I, I think the way it works now is that the position of, uh, of whoever is supposedly uh, voting on an issue is already predetermined by, you know, all the gerrymandering and the economic interests and the party whips have just made sure that we know exactly where everybody comes out and there's no surprises. Yes, I think maybe the reason for that is also uh, in the movie. Because Lincoln, he told a different story, and he went all in. It's a very, it's a very easy sell to most people at that time that slavery in itself is, is bad. At, like at the end of the war. Mm-hmm. This was a relatively easy sell. Do you want to go all in and find, continue the war uh, in, in order to abolish slavery? E- most people didn't want to do that. But were it uh, an easy option like the Beyond Meat or the non-slavery phone, then most people, uh, they don't like slavery. It just like makes you, you, you don't even need to have, uh, you know, uh, you know to, to, to raise points, to have talking points. It's just like you see it and you're like, uh, no, mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. like it. I don't yeah. like it. So... I think you can make a very easy, and this is backed up by facts, a very, you, can, you can tell the, the people today a very easy story and, get, uh, and put pressure on Republicans and right-wingers all, like, all around, say, I want you to have, uh, I want to raise the minimum wage because I want you to have more money. Uh, the other guy, he wants you to have less money. He wants the rich people to have more, more money and you have less money. Do you, would you prefer to have more money or do you, want, or do you prefer to have less money? Or let's say if you go all in, the, like the, the topic at hand, the healthcare, you just, just tell people, just, just convince the people why they should support 
you at that time. He didn't, Obama didn't make that case at all. He left the stage entirely for Republicans, and, and then they couldn't even move a little bit because they, they saw, the, if you remember, all the town halls where they were screaming at Democrats, the Republicans were screaming at the voters, what are you guys, they're going to kill my grandma, and all kinds of, of crazy shit. But because he had to compromise and go uh, with his donors along, uh, along uh, you know, the loyalty lines, whatever, mm-hmm. then he put himself in a position where he, he, he was vulnerable for attack because uh, you're working with the insurance companies. But if you say, no, everybody gets Medicare. You all get Medicare. Do you want mm-hmm. to have more storms and, uh, and floods in the nation or do you want to have less of them? Do you want to have more pollution in your city or less pollution? I want you to have uh, less pollution and less storms. Uh, they want to, uh, this is a very easy sell. Very, very, very easy sell. If you well, do you, keep say, the- you keep saying that, but uh, so that, that's where the whole game is being played right now. Right? You, you keep saying, or you said earlier on in the conversation, well, uh, there's not a lot of the rich elites. And uh, so a lot of people would not sympathize with them and would sooner, you know, not see them be the, as rich as they are. But now this is exactly the great big uh, project that's, that's con- uh, constantly being run by all these think tanks and opinion pieces and so on, trying to convince people that uh, just normal uh, working folk are... Um, temporarily inconvenienced millionaires yeah. and one day they're going to be Elon Musk and then they would hate having to pay those taxes, right? And uh, so then there's always that kind of argument of, oh no, but the rich actually, they create jobs, so we mustn't interfere with them. And, uh, you know, the, having them pay healthcare, and now that's probably bad for those companies and for the economy. And then that might, uh, you know, cost us in terms of employment. So there's there's constantly that economic anxiety that then is is reintroduced to kind of muddy um, uh, the waters. Exactly. So what you need to do is just like do what Lincoln movie do, did and just like stay the course no matter what. 2008, Obama with his super majority and right during the greatest financial collapse of uh, of uh, three four generations. You have, if you are a Lincoln kind of politician that goes all in on something, then mm. you achieve something tangible, concrete, and transformative. Not uh, perfect, obviously, but if you start right away, if uh, had Lincoln started to debate, okay, maybe they can be slaves for a few more years. Fold immediately. Yeah, just <laughs> just, uh, just let them. It's it's like in the Constitutional Convention. They said, okay, we'll stop the slave trade in uh, twenty years. Okay, they could have said, okay, let them uh, let the South uh, get ready for a new economy and stuff. So they have to keep the slaves, obviously. But he just went all in, and you have nobody of that stature and obviously of that, in that position of power that goes all in on that story and then that leaves the republicans to be able to say we are the party for the people against again because people are scared people are racist people are misogynistic and all kinds of stuff so this is the same uh, schism of uh, that has that has been recurrent throughout american history playing out playing out today because you don't have that that brave politician that knows no i can't back off of anything i have to go all in on the really big things that you need because now also we have a financial crisis it's going to get worse we have a health crisis it's not that difficult today 
to tell people I, I don't want you to get the coronavirus and I don't want you to have to pay all that and I don't want your co-worker to, uh, to, 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 to have COVID and I don't want the, the food industry worker who makes your food to have uh, COVID. So let's all just uh, have it and that'll be better. And they also, if they don't work because they're sick, they'll get paid. So they don't have an incentive to go work uh, when, when they're sick. This is, again, it, it shouldn't be a political question. It is, obviously. And because it shouldn't be, and so you were talking about uh, all the, the different talking points and stuff that, that, that get people to sway from their social economic uh, identity. Well, in Florida now, yeah, 62% of the people voted to, uh, to get a $15 minimum wage. And the Republicans and Trump, they, got, uh, they won the state. So a handful of Republicans want that too, without anybody making a forceful case to explain to people why this is what uh, what they should vote for again also decriminalization of marijuana and all kinds of other uh, things that passed during that election in republican states and in conservative places so this is just like right there for the picking you just have to have this kind of guy and in lincoln when they make the heroic act be again a compromise this is again just like no you didn't understand what was going on then and you don't understand what is going on now maybe it's because uh, spielberg has a ton of money and he has health care and he's fine he just doesn't want racism because he's uh, i'm sure he's a good he's a good guy he doesn't want racism no i don't like it. it it shouldn't be a political issue of course it shouldn't be racist okay this is but then, actually, what were the arguments for slavery? I, I'm I'm so curious to try to understand what that mindset was. Then, I, so what, what? Okay, first of all, no, it's a matter of the state to decide individually. Okay, that's one. I suppose there was kind of a uh, almost like a religious argument in the sense that well, slavery is in the Bible; it's just a natural uh, order of things, so it's fine. And then you get the way that you get people to to support it because most people didn't have plantations in the right. south. Exactly right. Then you just make them scared of black people. Do you want to? You, you want black people to vote and to and, and and you want them to be the masters and you'll be the slaves? No, we have to put them down. This is the same kind of thing that the people are saying now about you know feminism. Like no, look, no, women will do to us. This, this is not what they're saying, but basically that's the case. They'll do to us what we've been doing to them and what we are doing to them no they want to control the world okay what if they do we controlled mm -hmm. the world for you know ten thousand years that's fine to change things up see how it works huh. but some people it just makes them change change social change makes people very anxious very very anxious especially when in the american civil war just like that and today things are changing so quickly yeah, so if you were a normal Southerner, I would think, okay, slavery is just, just economically bad for you, actually, because, uh, you know, there's there's basically free forced labor, so that yeah. under, undercuts you. So the only argument for it is just racism. Yeah, and it's the same, uh, same way today. Like, healthcare is good for you. It's better if you have healthcare. 
and if the planet is not destroyed. So in order to not support those very simple and uh, instinctive uh, positions, is just you have to be... You ha- someone has to attach well, to them. Well, but, but not, not entirely, though, because... Uh, when you talk about, let's say, healthcare, that is 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 partly also then funded maybe by your employer. Uh, it shouldn't you say, be. No, but but let's say okay, it is like that, or let's say you know for the for the climate, then you you could make like a short term economic argument for people to be against it, like oh, it would be bad for employers if they have to pay healthcare, or it would be bad if we have to curb CO two emissions for the economy. But banning slavery, okay, it would be bad for the slave-owning plantations, but they don't employ people legally anyway. <laughs> so they're not, they're not your employer, right? So, But it would destroy the, the southern economy because it was based on, on this. So you just, just have to invent something new that would work. This is very dangerous. Uh, it's, it's very dangerous. And, we, and, and this is why all the lynchings happened after the mm-hmm. civil war and not before the civil war because then they were property but now it beca- you know, it's not we know that when economic times are bad then uh, people get uh, more uh, more angry but so to your point about uh, healthcare the employer paying and uh, maybe long term uh, economic uh, plans that mm-hmm. maybe don't sound that that attractive again it's only if you start right away with compromising because you are scared of Mm -hmm. uh, conflict like obama inherently he doesn't like conflict or because you have uh, financial uh, other uh, things that you have to take into into account like your donors and you know that's probably more important uh, actually in the case of obama he was just uh, like the the uh, neoliberal president yeah so had he said we will create 10 million jobs green new energy while we're curbing uh, all those so if you work in a mine and if you work whatever on an oil field you get first dibs on retraining and then go and getting that uh, that job it's very easy and healthcare says you, you can just say just don't put it on the employer again this is a compromise that leaves you vulnerable because then you can say this is a burden on the economy no mm-hmm. everybody gets healthcare it's paid through your taxes. You pay less in total because everything is cheaper. The, the, the state gets to decide the prices of everything. And this is how... That then it, the state runs death panels to see if you still get exactly. treatment. <laughs> By the way, you, uh, uh, you want to say a, f- a few words uh, about the Dutch healthcare system, which is privatized yet yeah. heavily regulated? Right, yeah. Yeah, so uh, uh, the Dutch healthcare system is, according to the European Union, supposedly the best one in the Union. Um, And when I try to imagine why that is, I guess that's because it is uh, the merger of uh, capitalism and the state, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is is the big European project. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, okay, so how does it work? We used to have basically something like the the, the National Health Service, just a, a, a thing called the Sick Fund, and uh, it uh, covered uh, most uh, essential treatments so they could get private health care on top. But there was basically like uh, mostly just, uh, I guess it's called single payer uh, health care. And then that was uh, uh, demolished and replaced by a system where everybody has to have a a, health care policy with a private insurer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the price is set. And but the price is set, and the treatment is set. Uh, so what's what's in the package, um, and um, then if you really cannot afford it, there's tax breaks to make up for the uh, uh, the insurance mm. premium. Okay. So everybody's insured. Everybody has health care, and it's not all that expensive. You do see it in your own, like you 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 pay a uh, a, a premium. But it's like uh, I guess I'm paying I don't know like uh, 200 bucks a month or something, um, and otherwise it would have come out of my taxes and I wouldn't see it. But it would amount to roughly the same thing because it's it's very highly mm-hmm. regulated. Now, obviously, I guess the problem with it uh, is that, or one of the problems with it, okay, this is still for profit, and these uh, health insurers obviously are constantly trying to game the system right so they're trying mm. to oh maybe we can like dress this down a little bit squeeze yeah. that a little bit uh, so you have to pay really close attention to what's in and what's out because like ostensibly you get the same coverage with every insurer but that might not actually be totally true and now every year by the end of the calendar year you have the option of switching so this is around this right. time of year and so you can shop around and then there's these web like uh, we like uh, wizards where you can figure out oh maybe i should go with this one or that one mm. um i n- i never do because i get uh, a little bit of a break in my premium out of my employer which is kind of weird thing again but there's a deal mm. between where i work and and the premiums mm. for that particular insurer um mm. And so I buy from them, and then you can add like different stars, star level treatments. And I think I yeah. now have have two extra stars because I wanted to have dental or so. <laughs> so so actually, I know. So uh, yeah, it's uh, so I guess why does Europe like it so much? Because uh, the European project is very much about. Um, business running things not the state but then the state being very very heavily in bed with business and so what you now get is this kind of system where for example between uh, insurers and politics people kind of change jobs between them right so when you, if you've been in the parliament for a while then you become the the ceo of one of these insurance companies or a lobbyist for them yes. and that's that's how this all works also with like banking and with all these uh, and so healthcare also more and more right like so uh, a director of a great big hospital would not be like a medical professional but just a, a generic manager who could also uh. be a leader of the labor party or something like that right uh. so there's, there's this this cast of people who are kind of um, mm. uh, between business and government and regulatory organizations so this is a problem, I would say, because yes, in Israel, a huge problem. We, yeah. we have kind of the same system. It's just that like three of the four options that you've had uh, that you have to choose for your as your healthcare provider uh, provider are uh, public and uh, state run in some sort of way. You have one that is uh, that is private and then you don't get the CEOs. You don't have this mingling between the different uh, powers. And in the UK, you mentioned the National Health Service, the NHS there it's not it's not considered better than the maybe because they had a lot of cuts uh, in it that's another problem when you have politicians then the, that they want to cut no, the, uh, but uh, yeah no the the, the nhs uh, traditionally is the pride of britain and uh, i've lived there for a while and it was fine i've i've used the nhs as as a mm-hmm. resident of the uk uh, but of course, uh, the Tories constantly are trying to squeeze it, and, but uh, they can't say that it. they want to, right? No, this no, is because it's very popular. Like uh, the again. NHS is well loved by uh, by the British. So, so to our point here, 
it makes it more difficult <laughs> to argue against something that should be non-political as slavery, as healthcare, when you just uh, uh, tell the people why this is a good thing and you just explain, to, uh, explain it in a forceful and coherent way and you don't try to cut corners. You force your opponent to try to change things without actually saying that they want uh, to change it. Whereas the Republicans, they have a lot of wiggle room and a lot of ways to explain why they don't want you to have health care and why they don't want you to have uh, more money in, in your bank account and why they don't want you, uh, you to live in a place that doesn't have a tropical storm or floods or pollution. It's once you just don't go all in, again, where... Uh, either because you're scared mm-hmm. or because you have other interests that and 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 that 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 force you to find a way to not say what you actually want to do and then the story is weaker mm-hmm. weaker had had Lincoln gone for some sort of compromise who knows what would have happened after the five years let's say abolish slavery in five years then you have to to fight again uh, in, in five years this is again like in the democratic primaries you had uh, you had bernie sanders saying medicare for all even though he lost medicare for all is popular among democrats more than all the other plans mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's very very popular elizabeth warren said okay i want to start with something and then in four years we complete it no. they and these are the two the two options there. Maybe we can tweak it. Biden will want to tweak it a little bit here and there, leaving himself uh, himself vulnerable for for attack because you could find stuff in his plan that is not actually the good way to go. And people will say, "Huh, no, this is a stupid idea." Like people mm-hmm. do with Obamacare, like with the, the Affordable Care Act. It's very and those those are in the minds of many people. Those are different things, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, Obamacare. Now that's bad, but I want to keep my Affordable Care Act. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You want to keep it, but still, you don't <laughs> like. It. You, like, people love their NHS, as you said. Yeah. If you ha- like in America, nobody loves their uh, healthcare, uh, whatever yeah. plan and stuff. Yeah. So I was at the doctor's yesterday, and today getting a blood, uh, giving a blood sample and stuff. This is very easy. You just go to the nearest place. You put your car there. I waited 20 seconds to see my doctor today. I waited 20 seconds to get uh, my uh, to give my blood sample. Well, but that that is an interesting point uh, because actually, what probably a lot of people also really hate about this, and especially in the US, is the needless bureaucracy. Right? Like I, I explained this this Dutch system, and maybe it sounds a little bit complicated, but just as a and let's say consumer of it, it's actually very easy, right? It's uh, it's uh, tied to my uh, social insurance, uh, social security number, and uh, it's just on file everywhere. So it's not like I don't have to deal with forms or getting the bill first and then getting it uh, reimbursed yeah. from the insurer. No, no, no. This is all totally like I, I, I need care. I go to the doctor and then I, okay, who's next in the waiting room? And then it's my turn and they, yeah. they do the blood or whatever else, right? So in that sense, it feels as if it is uh, just a national healthcare system. I don't have to yeah. deal with any forms. Do you remember when you were uh, at my place in uh, June 2018? I remember the date now because it's relevant to my uh, my blood <laughs> samples uh-huh, that I'm uh-huh. giving. I was hospitalized twice. Oh, because I remember of, very well. Yes. I remember very well because of uh, kidney stones. Yes, it was very it was very painful. 
So I didn't know there there is uh, some bureaucracy that actually I find very off-putting that before you go to the emergency room you have to call the number of your healthcare pro- uh, provider and then they will uh, say they will whatever send the form or whatever through the phone or whatever or however else and then you go and that's fine. So mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So I went there twice, ho- was hospitalized twice and then it's very expensive afterwards. Mm-hmm. The system is set up that way so that because it's not capitalistic my healthcare provider decided, even though it didn't have to, out of the goodness of their heart or whatever, the mandate that they have not being about making money, this is the state-owned one, mm-hmm. just about providing healthcare, they just said, okay, you'll just pay for one and not for two. And this is like $400 that they just said, okay, you don't have to pay $400. We could have charged you $400. It's in the in the contract that you sign. In, in a U.S. hospital, the four hundred dollars is is having access to toilet paper <laughs> the, <laughs> on your yeah. bill. Like, yeah, you went to the toilet twice, so that's four hundred dollars. <laughs> Have you seen that uh, that YouTube video uh, shot in uh, in uh, England, in Britain, uh, asking uh, British oh, yeah. to what I think this or that costs? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, that yeah. is incredible. That is incredible. Yeah. Ambulance call out. How much do you think that costs? Zero payment. Zero payment. Yeah, zero payment. No. It cost two and a half thousand dollars. For for real? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> you look, you look. <laughs> An inhaler. A hundred dollars. Yeah, you're pretty close, it's a bit more. Hundred and twenty. Two hundred and fifty to three hundred and fifty. For an inhaler? Mm. Yes. Man. So if you're poor you're dead. The classic poet Virgil once said that the greatest wealth is health. The greatest wealth is health. Well, today, America becomes a whole lot wealthier because tens of millions of Americans will be a whole lot healthier from this moment on. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America, Barack Obama. So, two EpiPens. How much do you reckon they are? Forty dollars. I'm afraid not. More? More? Hundred dollars. More. Hundred and fifty. More. Two fifty. More. Shut the fridge. More. <laughs> Three hundred pounds. Six hundred dollars. Yeah. What? Why? That's a very good question. Six hundred dollars. Yeah. Today, after almost a century of trying. Today, after over a year of debate. Today, after all the votes have been tallied, health insurance reform becomes law in the United States of America. And then also how flexible or flexible, how elastic it is. Like the, it's grotesque. Like people get a massive, massive bill and then you just have to go haggle with the hospital. Like, oh, could I please have itemized what's on the bill here? Oh, oh, uh, well, okay, like 2,000 bucks come, go, go, go off the bill again because you just ask for a specification. Really? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, you, you no. need to haggle with the it's, oh, big, no. it's sick. Give birth by C-section yeah. and you would like to hold your baby after you've given birth to it. Actually, yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. You have to pay to do that? Yes, to hold my own child that I've been carrying inside of my womb. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much.
Thank you. Cost of childbirth. A hundred, two hundred. Dollars. Yeah. Uh, the average is about ten grand. It can go up to thirty thousand. Ten grand for a baby. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess. How much is your child worth? <laughs> yeah. What is that like? The same everywhere? Yeah, the average is about ten thousand dollars. Yeah. That's mad. Oh, no, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Everybody, please have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, please. Have a seat. Let's compare the passage of healthcare reform in America with the passage of the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act that ended segregation. Okay, how did that happen? How did segregation end? When you had a president, Lyndon Johnson, who was pushed to do it by the civil rights movement, politically pushed to do it until he had no choice. And because he's a political bully and a Mm. political survivor, he just... Even though it wasn't in the, in the best political interest of his party, because, again, losing the Southward generation, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. pushed through radically, forcibly, sent goddamn soldiers to uh, universities to force it. Mm-hmm. This is the only way that you can win these kinds of tectonic battles that you just have to win. You have mm-hmm. to win. No compromise. Lyndon Johnson didn't compromise. No. Uh, he said protections... That, that, that held up for 50 years. And we see now today that they just uh, removed the, the Supreme Court a few years, removed these protections. And immediately the Republican Party uh, is where started working about disenfranchising uh, black people, brown people, young people. So you need, you need to have those leaders who are either because this is their personality, uh, that they are fighters, or either because they are ideologically aligned, like let's say uh, Bernie Sanders, you need that, either this or that, in order to get actual, concrete, sustainable change in a time of crisis. We are now in a time of crisis. Mm-hmm. This is what we need now. We yeah. need a movie Lincoln. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So do you want to end on that? You have something? Uh, I think I went through all my notes. Yeah, no, I think we're good. Okay, so uh, thank you everybody for uh, tuning in. Uh, if you'd like uh, to support us, you can go to our website, ourpodacademy.com. Just a cup of coffee a month, $2 per month. If you choose the Patreon option over there, mm-hmm. it would go a long way. Yes. And then uh, we can also uh, chat and talk. We have a nice little community going and uh, pen paling with uh, all kinds of patrons. So uh, that'll be fun. Uh, do you want to tell people that we're starting a new series about Rome? Ooh, can I? Yes, yes. exciting. Yes, well, finally, finally, we are going to do what we basically started this podcast for, <laughs> which is to talk about the Romans. Boom. <laughs> yes, yeah, because when, uh, okay, we kind of conceived of the podcast first as, okay, we can do history films, maybe science films, and then, Okay, what kind of history films? For example, Gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's coming. I watched it again just the other day. And not not for any reason other than, oh, it's uh, on uh, Netflix. Let's oh. just watch Gladiator again and again and again. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I can't wait to talk about that. So we're starting up next week. Next yes. week, our first installment, which will yes. be... 
that well we, we start with just the founding uh, of Rome and uh, uh, one tiny historical detail incorrect in Gladiator because there <laughs> they say Rome was founded as a republic not so ah, they said no. that yeah they say that what this is stupid well exactly <laughs> yeah no it starts as a kingdom we start at the beginning so we start at uh, the founding of rome and the rise of rome yeah we're gonna call it the rise of rome from yes. its founding up to it being the pre the number one superpower in whatever western eurasia so we're gonna start with the uh, remus and romulus and we're gonna end with augustus yes that's just like one one episode and then we'll make a bunch of other episodes that are very specific either geographically or something social you know slave revolts so we're talking about mm -hmm. that and loads of really 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 fun stuff yes. really really fun stuff yeah i'm very psyched about this yes you are you have yes. been yes and and how how much time would we spend during those uh, episodes you think uh, talking about again the current uh, empire ruling the world today china <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so let's uh, let's end on that let's end on that so thank you everybody for tuning in i will see you next week with the rise of rome yes boom bye bye